Kansas anymore. Are you ready? No, I'm just getting warmed up. This task was appointed to you. I said I want the truth! I say we take off and move the entire site from I'm Catherine, and in this episode of the podcast, I'm joined again by our Head of Education, Lucy Brett, for part two of our conversation about remakes. In the first part of this podcast, we talked about Disney's Snow White and the more recent remake, Snow White and the Huntsman. In part two, Lucy, our Head of Education, and I are talking about Peach Dragon and also Sleeping Beauty and their respective remakes. I loved Peach Dragon. So I had this on VHS and I watched it over and over again. I absolutely adored it. And for anyone that doesn't know, Peach Dragon is a 1977 Disney live action musical and it contains animated elements. So the dragon, is Elliot, is animated. Um, and the film is about an orphan boy and he becomes friends with this dragon named Elliot. And recently, there was a live-action, non-musical remake of Peach Dragon by Disney, um, which was released last year, 2016. So I thought it'd be quite fun to compare the classification of the two films. I'm going to say up front now, the remake made me cry <laughs> in more than one instance. <laughs> but I think that was a combination of the fact that I loved the original so much, and the little boy at the beginning looked just like my friend's child. Oh. So it was quite emotionally stirring. Well, it's true that often we bring to it what we what we think we about. We really and, do. And our real life. I mean... The original was submitted to us in, in 1978 and it was rated U. Um, the BBC Insight now would say it has very mild threats. Um, and it's a magical film for children and it has lots and lots of comedy. Laugh out loud comedy and a real emphasis on sort of the funniness of this dragon that's enormous but also invisible to some people and those sorts of things. There are moments where Elliot the Dragon gets into scrapes um, but any sense of threat comes from the baddies who are Pete's crew foster parents so you begin to hear that you know this as, as you can tell this is one of those sort of films taking classic ideas from fairy tales so this little boy with cruel foster parents not his real parents and then it's developing that with his friendship with the dragon as we said with Snow White though these moments are mitigated by the jovial tone overall of the film the film is good natured and funny and it really does feel very gentle there's lots of singing and dancing too and the dragon is really friendly and he's emphatically always there to save the day we all need a dragon like Elliot in our lives now the 2016 version of Pete's Dragon also has huge appeal to young audiences but we rated it PG because of the threat in the film so there are some significant differences the 2016 version is a live action non-musical version and it opens with a really rather sad and, and um, upsetting opening sequence with some sort of considerable what we would call real life threats so not scary monsters but a real life incident with a road traffic accident which feels like feels like something that is tonally a bit stronger, harder to understand, and something actually that a four or five-year-old might find unsettling because it connects real life with bad things happening. We see a car crash in slow motion, and it ends with our main character, a very, very small child, in a forest. He climbs out of the car wreckage and tearfully walks into the woods and uh, at which point there's an immediate sense of a different sort of threat where there are the animals and wolves in the wood around him. Now, 
I'm beginning to make this sound like sort of the biggest tearjerker of all time and also a sort of terrifying film. It's an uplifting film and just like its predecessor, it's looking at the same themes, how we find friendship, how we find love, who we trust and those sorts of things. And very quickly, uh, we have an idea of that someone or something or some some creature is going to protect Pete. Because he does meet the dragon pretty much immediately. So there's not a huge lull where... Where a younger audience is going to be thinking, well, oh, he's all alone now for ages and ages. They're very much introduced to this amazing dragon pretty much straight away. So it does take it forward quite quickly. Yeah, and I mean, this the dragon in the modern one isn't a cartoon. So in the first one, it's quite obviously a bit like in Mary Poppins as well, where there's a 2D cartoon and a person talking to it. In this, it's a CGI fluffy furry dragon. Given that sort of opening, it really did feel from the from the get-go, really, I think, for the team watching it at the BBFC, that this was a PG, it, it wasn't to you. And um, it's certainly one which takes, you know, just a slightly older child to understand what's going on and then be able to jump into the fantasy and perhaps see it really resonate because it becomes a film about finding and accepting love and finding yourself. And we do say that um, films rated PG are suitable for children aged eight and up or around about that age and I think that probably feels about right for Pete's Dragon really doesn't it? Yeah it does well with the modern world thing I mean it becomes an adventure incidentally it becomes sort of very 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 exciting as a Pete's world with this dragon collides. Well I could talk about Pete's Dragon all day and probably give away loads and loads of spoilers um, listeners can of course check the long insight for Pete's Dragon for a bit more detail on um, the website and also on the app and the new tablet version of the app which is very nice But finally today, we're going to talk about the classification of Sleeping Beauty, the animated adventure about a young princess who is cursed by an evil witch on her 16th birthday. So the live-action remake of Sleeping Beauty is actually a retelling of the story from the point of view of the kind of witch character, or a bit more of a fairy in this case, Maleficent, played, of course, by Angelina Jolie. And how did we classify, firstly, Sleeping Beauty? The BBFC saw Sleeping Beauty in 1959, um, and... We classified it U. Uh, we classified it U for video when we saw it again in the 1980s. The strongest scene in it is when Prince Philip fights Maleficent, who turns into an enormous dragon. So it's clearly fantastical. And the prince, representing good, battles and defeats Maleficent in dragon form, and she clearly represents evil. And the cartoon elsewhere has lots of singing and dancing and comedy. Um, but in this final battle, though there's a tiny sort of hint of blood in the dragon's chest and the dragon sort of falls off screen to its death. It's not a very long sequence. And the reassuring fairy godmothers who really have been this sort of comic, if a bit idiotic, sort of calming force throughout the film looking after Sleeping Beauty, they're on hand to help with the prince. Interestingly, we saw it again in 2016 and the modern theatrical classification, so the modern cinema classification, was you again and the BBFC insight that was written then was very mild threat and violence so there's this one sort of climatic scene and of course there's the sort of slight threat when um, Aurora pricks I think are in and, and then there's the sort of scariness of Maleficent herself but it's very much grounded in the sort of fairy tale language and visuals that even very young children are going to understand they quickly know who's good they quickly know who's bad there's very little ambiguity or confusion about what's happening so maleficent was released in 2014 with angelina as you said in the title role 
How did the BBFC classify that film? Was it a much bigger jump again, like Snow White and the Huntsman, or was it pitched at a much younger audience again, like the original? We rated Maleficent PG, so it was a very different sort of film to Sleeping Beauty, and film fans would describe it as an origin story. So it's a story about the beginnings of a character and how that character is formed. So in the cartoon of Sleeping Beauty and in lots of versions of that story, uh, Maleficent is a baddie from the start and she is just the baddest baddie. Whereas what Maleficent tries to do is take you back so you can understand what might happen to a perhaps good fairy, which might make her so jealous that she could end up with this terrible deed of cursing the young princess to fall asleep for hundreds of years. So that's the kind of background. The film contains various things that places it at PG, and we generally talk about you, PG 12A, 15, 18, as being very mild, mild, moderate, strong, very strong in terms of issues. But sometimes with things like battle violence or fantasy scenes, even at PG, you could perhaps have things which we might describe as moderate, and Maleficent very much falls into that camp. So although it is a resolutely PG-feeling film all the way through it, and although this new fleshed-out Maleficent actually is very understandable and relatable, flaws and all, and she follows a sort of character journey that even very young audiences can watch her struggle to be the better person she wants to be. All those things are there, but there are these moments of violence, including battles between Maleficent and her magical people and the real world people who are trying to steal their power. So although the violence is mild to moderate, it isn't strong enough to take it up to 12A. It's clearly within this fantasy unreal world. There's a couple of very notable scenes, though, and we actually showed this film to our advisory panel on children's viewing, and they talked about it too. And these scenes include one in which Maleficent's wings are removed. And I think especially for grown-ups sometimes, that scene where the young girl, Maleficent, is so upset that this has happened feels really very sad and stressful though perhaps it has more meaning the older you are and sometimes I think everybody's got an example in a film where they I think that's right I think I watched Maleficent with the children's panel and that's when I saw it and I watched it with them in the morning screening and then they went to the meeting where they discussed it and I remember remember crying at the end of that film but I think at the time I recognised I was crying from a very adult perspective because I was projecting meaning on the closing scenes of the film which I won't mention and finding them quite emotional yeah and I think it did have the same kind of it resonated in the same way in a few different scenes whereas for younger viewers it it might not have even kind of affected them at all no I think that's right and I mean another sort of way of another example from the film which will really emphasize its fantasy is that for example they use this idea that Maleficent as this natural magical creature um, is cannot cope with metal and so if metal touches her it burns her so she's not got a sort of she's not she's a fantasy creature who metal burns um, and they use this a few times and she does get hurt by by the metal but almost immediately something touches her there's like a sound effect and then it heals because we see her magic at work so that's the sort of example I mean of the whole film kind of almost like 
holding the hand of the child, watching it, saying, this is a magical world and we're going on a journey with Maleficent. I mean, we did talk about frightening scenes and we said that there were situations where characters were in danger, but these weren't what we would use the words prolonged. They didn't take a long time. They weren't so intense. And that the fantasy really does calm it down and sort of keep it in a world where children can talk about it. Interestingly, we also used it quite a bit with our education work. And I remember speaking to children in Glasgow about it and um, they were very clear that the fantasy helped but they were most cross that um, the the wicked king had a Scottish accent and they felt that the wicked king was going was representing uh, Scotland as this sort of dangerous country and then there was sort of another contingent who were also talking about how Angelina Jolie herself was sort of representing women in this particular way so you've got quite an interesting conversation so the film really sophisticated isn't it analysis oh totally but what it shows you is that when a film has complicated ideas and themes but it's in a fantasy children can understand them they can hook into it and I Mm. think that I think that's how it really works. I think it's a really clever take on like a, a story that everybody knew and sort of giving us another insight. So it's a PG, Maleficent sits there, which is higher than the original Sleeping Beauty, but they, they're their companion pieces. It's a very different take. Fantastic. That was really interesting, Lucy, and I think it's probably going to inspire a lot of people to watch some of these remakes and also to seek out the originals, I think. And obviously I can't recommend the original Peach Dragon enough. Now remember, if you've got something you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, you can contact us using the feedback form on the podcast page. You can email us on podcast at bbfc.co.uk or you can send us a quick tweet at bbfc.